oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn Two Podcast I'm host Matt Williams You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T ui 77 ims I'm joined by a couple of fantastic guests. First weekend of baseball is in the books. We're cruising into midweek. Week one, everyone's panicking, throwing their teams into the fire. Everyone's cutting everyone, buying low, selling high, doing all sorts of things that you shouldn't do. You do every year. We want you not to do. You're doing it anyway. So, good morning, everybody. I have a couple of killer guests. We're going to talk to you all about players that are starting hot starting cold and what the hell you should do about it so joining me on my immediate side here if you're joining us live on youtube mr joe pisapia uh he is the host over at fantasy pros and uh you know he really needs no introduction he's also the creator of the fantasy black book which i'm not a part of which is a sham we should change that we should change that immediately next year that's what i think <laughs> and, and, and it was weird why we're late 20 minutes 20 minutes late to the show is because me and our other guests were just talking about wrestling for 20 minutes he is also the host of the in this ring podcast so joe pisapia officially uh welcome to the show oh, thanks for having me about it yeah I, I i would love to employ you consider yourself hired because i never have time to write enough baseball stuff anymore because football season just kind of takes up all my time but the people demand the baseball book and i have a great team as you well know, but I would love to add you and and maybe uh, Big Johnny Stud. We add him too next year, and then everybody starts to write for the black book and get paid, and that makes me happy. So let's let's make we'll that be like happen. the NWO, just oh, everyone, that's right, freaking everybody, <laughs> live baby. <laughs> and uh, joining me, my my next guest. If you listen to the show, he's you know the OG, my original co-host, Mr. John Legaza, uh, over at the Athletic as well, and also Mayo Media. What is up, John? Well, I'd really like to, you know, thank you for allowing me to ride your coattails right there into another employment opportunity. That was that was excellent, man. We're talking about the right place at the right time. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Yeah, you ain't kidding, man. It's time. We're just throwing babies out with bathwater. It's cats and dogs getting along, you know. It's all it's just total craziness right now. It really is. I love it though. And it really is, it's so hard to keep within yourself sometimes, right? We're I know some players we're gonna talk about. We really feel like this is what we're going to get, and there are other players that are also producing that you have to say, oh, "I don't, I don't know." So it's going to be a really good episode. I think you guys hopefully will pull the reins back on myself today. Yeah, well, I, I, I constantly uh, try and fail at that, so we know how that's going to go. <laughs> uh, so uh, today's show is going to be all about, uh, yeah, players off the hot and cold starts. We're going to tell you about what we look for early in season, what you should look for, what you should avoid, uh, because, you know, it takes a long time for statistics to stabilize, but there's certain things you can look for. You're not supposed to sit here on your hands and watch a guy go 0 for 20 while there's a hot prospect or a hot player on the waiver wire. You got to make some moves. Um, so without further ado, let's just get into some players, players that are off to a hot start. Steven Kwan, ever heard of him? Uh, if you hadn't, you sure you certainly have now. He's doing nothing special. Um, he's hitting 667 with a 750 on base percentage, 933 slugging, 
um, 29.2 walk percentage and a 0% strikeout rate. I mean, seems legit to me. Um, any, any surprises here, Joe? I mean, I, I would say that I just expect them to ride this through to, uh, till through, through September. Well, look at, obviously through September, that would be great. I love contact. I miss contact in baseball. People are afraid to make contact. They're afraid to put the ball in play and putting the ball in play is a good thing. We have guys who take way too many pitches. Sometimes we also have guys that don't have an aggressive approach to the plate. Um, he basically has that, that old Mookie Wilson style of, uh, whatever you offer me, I'm going to swing at <laughs> kind of mentality. But, you know, I think it just goes back to it's a very different style of baseball we're used to seeing. And anybody who can make consistent contact like that can be a useful player. And, and he's an athletic kid, too. It's not kind of it's a little different than the Urban Mercedes phenomenon of last April. Right. Or some other guys we've seen in the past. I think with this kid, you look at it and you go, OK, is he have a power ceiling that's that's going to be exciting? No, probably not. But depending on the, upon the format you're in, especially in a points league, which is where I play, if this guy can just dink and doink himself to 15 points every week. That's a useful thing. And he might be able to, as long as he stays in a good spot in the order. And as long as he can, you know, stay somewhat consistent, he's an athletic kid. I think you like that, but of course, you know, this is unsustainable. Anytime you see somebody hit 500 over a week, it's unsustainable. It's just not the nature of the game, but I will say, I would love to see a more of this style come back in major league baseball because those spray hitters, those guys that, you know, could use all fields, those guys who put the ball in play and make consistent contact. It's a lost art form and it's good for baseball, but it's also good for Cleveland too, because it's putting, you know, the offense in a spot where there's guys on base for you to drive in. What a concept, right? Pete Rose, he did not kill the ball. Anybody He slapped it around. Uh, he's known as the best hitter of all time. You know, is obviously has other things going on as well, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can be a good hitter and not, and not kill the ball like Tony Gwynn. Oh, Ichiro uh, too. I mean, Ichiro was yeah, the Ichiro. king of. I mean, Ichiro could probably hit home run. Everybody said whenever he wanted to, right? That was always the yeah. oh, Ichiro could hit more runs if he wanted to. It just wasn't his game. He just wanted to to drive the ball wherever he wanted to drive the ball. Now this kid's not Ichiro, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's nice to see a guy who's got consistent contact. And I think you just ride the wave because he's free. So if you picked him up, you just ride the wave until it ends, and then you stick him on the bench. And then you know, hopefully, he has a second wind or maybe even a third wind in the season. I mean, he's a rookie, so it could certainly end. I don't think it will end. I mean, what he's doing now will end, uh, but I think he's kind of a buy high. Kind of, John, what do you think? I mean, depending on what people are looking for realistically, he's a guy where I don't think if you sell him, you're not getting a superstar back. But if someone thinks that this is coming to an end and is willing to just kind of take at a certain level, I mean, he's hitting towards the top of the Cleveland lineup. He is had great plate discipline in the minors. He's not continuing what he's doing, but I mean, what we're seeing from a skill set perspective is legitimate if you bring it down from Superman to regular human status. Uh, so yeah, I think if he's going to hit at the top of this lineup, I, he, I think there could be a buying opportunity here. If someone has him and is looking to escape and maybe still, it, you know, it's not valuing him high enough for what he's probably going to be rest of season. Well, I'm going to regress the season long batting average projection to at least 525, at, at <laughs> least. No, no. In, in, all rea in all reality, they're really, I like to tell myself that very popular people like Joe listen to my show, because that's exactly what I was saying earlier today is Quan quite literally is, he's one of the best examples we have of format dependency. Truly. He's a must add in point league. He's a must add. Joe understands point leagues very well. My home league is a point league. I actually think the 15 that Joe threw out there might be on the low end. I think it's more of an 18. And I don't think you're ever going to get 40, but I also don't think you're ever going to get five. And if you play point leagues, and especially he was a cheap pick or a late add, that's kind of how you win. 
because he is going to float, you know, that baseline while the other hopefully stars you have really, really produce. That being said, so I think part of your question, Matt, is I would buy high. It reminds right? me of Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I would buy high in point leagues. Yeah. <laughs> Roto he without the power. Really, he, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He's really interesting in Roto leagues because he's clearly too good of a baseball player to drop, but he might be a tough guy to have as an auto start. But when a player provides batting average, it's not really a streaming player. You don't really stream for batting average. He's a he's a conundrum in Roto. So I in, could in, see in Roto. Selling. I think you need to see that speed. We know he has it. We've seen it in the minor leagues. Um, he's projected for, by like, most to get you seven or I eight. If he'll see some bags, that'll Joe. Be Joe was was touching around it. We didn't get to numbers, but let's say what are we talking about? Like. 11 homers and eight steals. Like maybe he's like a 10, 10, maybe he's like a 10, 10 guy. I mean, now what we're going to dreamcast at 300, forget 525. We're just kidding. Actually, we're going to dreamcast 300 averages now on rookies. Maybe he has the skill set. I will. And I feel okay. Fair enough. Because I do think the track record is there, but again, 300, 10, 10, well, hitting top of the lineup the too. He has to stick at the top because right in the when he brought up, we were assuming what seven, eight, nine for him. Uh, Cleveland yeah. moved him up quickly. If he can hit enough to stay up there uh, behind Straw in front of J Ram, that's well, everything because he gives you those counting stats. Point, needs there's to one be more up. point there, Matt, and it's yeah. people get thrown off by the word elite. I try not to overuse hyperbole or overuse it. The Guardians are building a player a lineup. That's completely out of the box from what we're seeing lately. Power, 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 OPS. And going with this elite tools in the box thing. I, I have to mention Miles Straw. People are I was so it really drove me nuts. The rabbit thing. You are not a rabbit with a single digit K minus walk with a plus 92% in zone contact rate with a 350 OBP. You're not and a 270 batting average. This is not like an empty bat. It's not Billy Hamilton. And now we're getting to Stephen Kwan, another like this unique set, a combination of plate skills. Yo, man, I think where I'm getting at is I think that might boost the run. So maybe he is viable because of what you're saying. Top of the lineup, surrounded with OBP, surrounded with some tools. I guess runs are going to be there. I don't know about ribbies. He's a conundrum for me. So I guess as an outfielder five, you probably have a hard time doing much better in Roto. But I could see selling high in Roto. If I thought I could get something back. You know what I mean? Like, I probably might go that route because Quan I could see being a little frustrating in Roto. Well, I think it could both. He's he'd be a buy low and a sell high. Um, it depends on the eye of the beholder. He's everything who to currently, everyone. who currently rosters him and what they're willing to do, um, or what you're willing to get for him if you currently have him. But uh, I mean, he was projections had him batting like 280, 290 before he was even called up. He had that track record in the minors, which is why I said Brian Reynolds and like Joe said, without the power. But death by a thousand paper cuts. I love guys like this. If he's batting at the top of the lineup, giving me runs, uh, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, some nice batting average, I'll throw him in there. He can do worse. Um, anyway, that was Stephen Kwan. Everybody, we spent like you know a quarter of the show. Time. Yeah, only about seven. <laughs> uh, Seiya Suzuki. I had no shares of this guy. Uh, in, in fantasy, if there's question marks that add up to too many question marks, I just like erase you from my board. And I'm like, all right, I'll let someone else deal this with. I don't know how the how his power was going to project over uh, to MLB. I don't know. I mean, he looks great though. He has that nice high finish on his swing. It looks beautiful. He's his amazing barrel rate so far. Chicago loves him. Uh, what are you expecting out of the rest of the season, Joe? Because I mean, I don't know why I have to bother giving you these stats, everyone, but uh, he is batting 417 right now with a one 
0.167 slugging percentage. Um, yeah, that's that's insanity. Uh, that's he's even he's honestly doing uh, better than Quan, uh, but uh, Suzuki is is actually been uh, by far the the best rookie so far. Look, Suzuki's been terrific. Uh, I, like you, have no shares uh, because I didn't care for what I saw in spring training. I will say this. The one thing I like about Suzuki is actually changes his approach uh, with two strikes, which is something, again, you don't see a lot in Major League Baseball. So he's got the high leg kick. But if you notice, when he's got two strikes on him, he tempers down the leg kick and he tries to make contact and just drive the ball almost like a almost like a no stride kind of a, a stance that he ends up doing, which keeps him on balance. It keeps his hands back and it's good now. I'm not shocked at all that he's having a really good uh, April. I'm not. I mean, uh, Kasuke Fukudome also had a really good April, I remember, too. And I'm not trying to compare those two guys. But what I will say is that typically they're going to find the hole in your swing and then they get exploited. So this is going to be the best Seiya Suzuki probably you're going to get all year would be my guess. I mean, even even if you look back a couple of years ago, when when remember when Marcus Thames came back over? from the international leagues and he sure. was just like a rock star. And then he was a rock star that first month of April. And then I'm like, okay, so what's the hole here? They found the hole and then that was it. And then he fell into a black hole. And, and I just think that there's always that possibility. So if you have Suzuki and you could flip him for a struggling, you know, a package for a struggling Bryce Harper or something like that, like if you could do that kind of a move, I do it immediately in a redraft league in every other format. I think Suzuki right now, you're, you're, you're happy with what you got. Cause you probably got him at a pretty good rate because he wasn't super high because he didn't have a great spring training. So I think you're pleased with this, but you have to know eventually there's going to be something in his swing, something that he struggles with, and they're going to exploit it at the Major League Baseball level, and he's going to have to adjust. And that's that adjustment that I'm worried about when it comes to Suzuki. But I do like the things that I've seen out of him. I like what I've seen out of him, obviously, more than spring training. But I think at the same time, you're looking at a player at the end of the day who's probably going to hit I would think probably in that 260 range or something like that, probably give you 20 bombs and you'll take that at his ADP. So you could probably just hold him right now. But if you could flip him high, I would absolutely consider doing it. We're talking about Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. By the way, anyone making comments over uh, on YouTube or listening live, we will get to your comments during the show. Don't worry. We're not ignoring you. Uh, John, what do you think of Suzuki? Because right now, I mean, from a, you know, there's, there's not enough data to say anything um, definitively. Uh, I always say, look to plate discipline <laughs> and as confused as I was by how to, translate his stats coming over i'm just as confused by his plate discipline he has a 29.4 percent strikeout rate and a 23 and a half percent walk rate <laughs> and a 400 babbit um i don't know what to make of this i mean he could literally turn into anything he could turn into a unicorn or a dragon for all i know uh because what uh what we're seeing here he can morph into anything well man i guess suzuki there's good news and bad news and the bad news is i also i i didn't draft him. I, I have a hard time getting behind the imports. Like Joe, the historical track record is not really there. In particular, when it comes with a premium. So I'm more. I was. I'm more willing to get behind like a Yoshi Susugo this year, who has a pedigree. Came here, stumbled after being exposed. He might be a special case because he moved around so much and then settled. That I might be willing to try and buy into some talent at a discounted price, opposed to Suzuki, where it was a premium. You were paying a premium, though he's a superstar, and we knew the. Potential was there. So that's the bad news. Is I don't have it. And he also looks phenomenal. You know, I'm lucky enough to have a job in baseball. I spent all day watching and he looks phenomenal. He looks, he looks on par like everybody. He looks as good as everybody out there. The good news for us in the room of people that didn't draft him is 
This will probably now have everyone chasing import players that will continue to stink. I think he's awesome. I also think he's an outlier. I don't think this is the new norm. I don't think we're going to get players coming and just dominating. I don't think he'll continue this level of domination, but I do think he is absolutely going to be a well above average player at the major league level, even in his ebbs and flows, right? I do think Joe was correct. And I do think there is some like a step back coming, but I don't think he's going to end up, you know, on the midnight train to Tuscaloosa or whatever. I think he's, he's going to stick. <laughs> One of my well, favorite I, I old Motown anyway. tunes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know I, I think he will stick and I do think there'll be some tough points, especially we know disciplinary metrics tend to stabilize the fastest 30% K rates in the smallest samples are not a good thing. So there probably is a pathway where he has a rough couple weeks or a rough couple months, in which case I'd be looking to pounce on him because I think he's a very valuable piece in redraft and going forward. But yeah, I'm not, it's like I'm sold on imports going forward. I think, I think he's a unicorn. That's what I think. I don't want to basket like a lot of the import players into one thing, but the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, most of them, most of them fail. Yeah, um, you know, this is the big leagues, uh, not, not to, you know, to, to, to put any shade on any, you know, the KBO or Japanese, you know, I mean, there's great players that come over. Look, look at Shohei Otani, the reigning MVP of the universe. Uh, but for every Otani, you got like 15 Kazmat Suis who got off to a really good start. I believe hit a home run opening day, two years in a row. Yes. If you don't know who I'm talking yes, about, did. that is probably a <laughs> good, a good that, that is, a, that is my point really. If uh, you don't know who he is. So uh, we're talking about Seiya Suzuki off to a great start. Wander Franco batting 550. He's good. Uh, he's not hitting 550. Uh, I projected him to hit 317 this year. That's how good I think he is. I think he is a better version of Xander Bogarts today. A uh, little, uh, you know, a little less power, uh, probably in his rookie year. But I mean, I'm all aboard Wander Franco. He's not hitting 550, but I, uh, there's no selling high here. He's Wander Franco. He could be the best hitter in baseball as early as next season. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be hustling with Juan Soto for that title through their whole careers once Wander gets up to his peak, in my opinion. So, um, I mean, he's very, uh, uh, very either you're in or you're out on on Franco, um, especially at least this year. I, I think everyone agrees he'll be good long term. But, Joe, where do you sit right now? I mean, Wander obviously off to a good start. And, uh, you know, you're, you're biased one way or the other. If you're in on Franco and you see this, you're like, oh, I was right. If you're not, if you're not, then you're going to poo-poo. So where are you on this one? Well, look, I've been a Franco guy for years now before he came to the big league. So uh, I've always been a Franco guy. And I've also put myself out there. I know every projection system has him to hit less than 20 home runs this year. I think he's got more than 20 in that bat at some point, too. He's a strong kid. Like, I don't think people realize how strong this dude is. So that's coming. It, it, the power is coming, folks. So if you think this is good right now, is he 21 years old right now? 22? Like the power is also on its way. And when that develops, look out because this guy is just unbelievable. I wish he played in a better ballpark for power. That would be nice. Uh, but the fact that he's doing this and he's doing it playing for the Rays for the last year and change now, it's kind of fascinating because people complain. In fact, Willie Adamas was complaining, right? He's like, I can't see the ball in this ballpark. A lot of people go there and say, I have trouble seeing the ball. Imagine if he was in a place with a great hitter's eye where the ball just flew out. Like, just imagine how good this guy could be statistically. He is everything you want in a hitter. He's got a great lower half for the way he turns on the baseball and uses his hips. Uh, he has, again, more power in those legs. That's coming at some point. And I'm not saying he's going to sacrifice a batting average or power. I'm saying it's going to develop 
completely. And it's one of the same arguments I used to have with people with Lindor when he first came in the league. I remember people telling me, oh, he's a doubles hitter. And I said, have you seen this guy's arms? Do you see how strong this kid is? He's going to hit for power. And I and I want to say people like, oh, he'll never hit 20 home runs. Well, he hit 30 a bunch <laughs> last time I checked. So just the way Francisco Lindor is almost kind of sneaky, strong physically, it's the same kind of thing with Wander Franco. And Wander Franco physically is built bigger in the lower half. And that's where the power is going to come from. And I just think what you're seeing right now is just Wander Franco just being as good as Wander Franco is. And there is no hole. There is no answer. And it's only going to get better when the power comes. And it's coming. And I think it might come this year. Yeah, he's so good that he is almost, I want to say, he, he's. Not, I, I don't think he's immune from going through a cold stretch, but he, he might be. Um, ironically, batting 550, on-base on, on percentage of 545, you don't see that too often. Uh, so early in the season, you, you get those weird kind of things where his on-base is lower than his batting average. Uh, Wander Franco, John Legaza, what's up? Oh, he's so good. He's so good. I was one of the, I don't want to say detractors. I just wasn't there at the price. I was always, I always preface my zero share argument with this is the most valuable piece in dynasty leagues, like with Juan Soto. So I Question, understand. Before, before you go, were you out on him at price or out of, because you didn't think he was worth where he was being drafted or are you off of him because of roster construction? Because you, you know what I, I, be- I, I believe said- he was worth his price, but I didn't dra- I didn't have too many shares because I just preferred to get my, sh- it, it, he landed in an awkward spot where I'd rather. Well, he's not a Roto guy, Matt. That's he's like this, you know, he's not a power speed combination guy. So people yeah. devalue him as an overall talent and they shouldn't because yeah. batting average matters, run scored matters. Yeah. Like he, he, and if the power comes, then how much you know? How much greater is he than the ADP? And I think that's the argument. You either you either see that coming or you don't. But I think that's probably why some people haven't been very into him because they don't see those those counting stats of the power and the speed match up in Roto. And most people still play Roto, so I think they kind of shy away. Whereas I'm a points guy. I love Wander because Wander is just going to give me points all day long. Yeah, that's where I am. I I couldn't get there in Roto because of exactly what Joe said. I mm. yes, I think he is eventually going to hit. 25 home runs. This guy could be a 30 home run guy. We In redraft, we have right now. And I think even if the power is there, I'm not sure the lift is. We're asking for a lot. Though I did check the barrel rate at 16.7, less what I'm worried about than he has three barrels already. He hasn't converted them into home runs. They're probably on the lower end of the ba- of the launch angle spectrum. And that's been the issue with Franco just lift. Now, I think we're going to get a Vlad Guerrero type of trajectory, meaning everything else is in place except for this tiny bit of lift. And when Franco gets a lift, there goes 35 home runs or more MVP and all the monies for anyone that drafted him. I don't think it's this year. So I couldn't get to with Roto because I wasn't sure the homers and the steals were there. To me, in points leagues, he's like a second-round pick. I just didn't think I, – I, he was so wildly undervalued. So he was a very – another unique piece because I thought he was overvalued in Roto because I didn't think the maturation had fully fit the categories. But he was totally undervalued because, like, oh, he's too young to be an OPS kind of guy. No, he's not. He is probably going to hit 325 this year. I don't think I would go under 315. If someone were setting lines, he's he is that kind of hitter, Matt. Like you said, when you talk about being like slump proof, it's because of that kind of approach, the changes, the swing path. Gosh, he is phenomenal. But, you know, that being said for Roto, I don't think it's a 2025 year just yet. So that was why I passed it. He's also I'm sorry, I'm regressing the batting average to 520. I'm sorry. I have to do it. 
have to. I, I mean, that's I, math. I, that's math. I, that's math. Sorry, the hard math we hit you with on the turn two podcast. <laughs> he's, the a, he's a points god. That's his new nickname. Uh, I think he can be a roto guy this year, though. If he's hitting three seventeen, where I have him with twenty home runs and ten stolen bases, it works for me. That would do um, it at the price. If he hits three hundred, that would do it because he's going to play every day. You're right. That would do it. So but you need is, all of that. That you is need wandered. all those steals and all the home runs. Yeah, I you mean, know, like, well, and, and I think he wrecks. I think he could rack up two hundred runs RBIs combined. That part I think is a given. I, yeah. I don't think he gets enough. Credit a lot of people, I think, I think slip by that sometimes, where they just forget. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's these other important categories, and that's Wander Franco, Nolan Arenado. Um, he has actually been better than Suzuki Kwan. Everyone we've talked about, Nolan Arenado has actually been better. He's sneakily probably the MVP of the league so far, um, hitting 438 with three doubles, three home runs with a one one eight eight slugging percentage. Um, you know, we're going to get into this later in the show. He seems like probably the ultimate sell high in the entire league, probably. He's not doing this. Um, there's going to be some people that think, oh, he's a year away from cores. He's back to being Nolan Arenado. He's not this guy. He's not never going to be this guy. He never was this guy. This is a hot star of a big name, and he just seems like an obvious sell high. I mean, no, don't trade him for nothing. Uh, go out there and see if someone wants to pay peak Nolan Arenado prices, you know, because right now you might be able to get those because he's a premium player playing at the highest level early in the season. Uh, what say you, Joe? Well, third base is kind of a wasteland for me. So I'm holding because Arenado, to me, like this is great. I'm glad he's having this run. And I wouldn't discount the factor of St. Louis is a great place to play. And the more guys kind of get ingrained into that culture, we see guys who come over there, whether it be Goldschmidt or even back in the, you know, the days where you get, you know, Mark McGuire coming over there, other guys coming there. People go to St. Louis and tend to have Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds. I mean, remember all those teams where all these veteran guys came over there and flourished in St. Louis when a lot of people thought they were maybe done or maybe past their prime or on the wrong direction. (laughs) I still remember a lot of those guys. Hell, even Larry Walker had some productive years towards the end for St. Louis. I feel like the Cardinals just kind of always do this. They identify really good baseball players and they set them up in a very positive environment where the fan base is very positive. And for the first time, I think, you know, in a while in the last year and change, Arenado's playing in games that really matter. And I think that matters to him a little bit. So is he ever going to be as good as he was in those peak years in course? Probably not, but is he going to be a top five third baseman all said and done? I think probably because third base once again is not great. So unless you're going to get somebody to grossly overpay, I'm just holding Nolan Arenado and I'm happy with the price I got him because he kind of came at, I think a very reasonable price considering what his skill set is. And to me, he's a 30, 90, 90 kind of guy, whether he's in Colorado or not, I think he could still do that in this lineup. It's a pretty good lineup. Uh, with Goldschmidt and O'Neill and, and some of the other pieces. And if Carlson really comes on this year, so I'm holding him. I'm not trying to get rid of Arenado because I don't know what combination of third base and other player you're going to get back for him unless you get like some great pitching guy back from maybe then. Uh, I actually agree with what you said in terms of, I think he is a 30, 90, 90 guy, but anyone thinking is going to be close back to that 300 batting average. I think he's more no. of a 260 guy now. Uh, so yes, it has to do with throw him out on the line and see what you can get. Because third base is a wasteland, actually, I mean, I'll take back Justin Turner and another really good piece or, you know, something like that, um, and I'll take a shot. So this is not a giveaway. This is a if someone thinks Coors, um, if someone thinks Coors Nolan Arenado is is back uh, and wants to pay me for that, um, you know, it wants to give me a, that, a, a struggling second round, third round player, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take them up on their offer. If you want to give me a slumping Pete Alonzo and um, and uh, – and Justin Turner and for uh, Arenado in a throw in 
be my guest. I will take that. Uh, and there are people out there who will. It's probably a Cardinals fan. Uh, what do you think, John? <laughs> yeah, this is one of my L's so far because I was passing on Arenado because I didn't think the power was there. Now, well, I don't think you could take an L this early, but yeah, you well, probably didn't take it. Yeah, I got to take it. I have to take at least a lowercase L because <laughs> because my stance was it was power based. You know, he really stuck out to the downside with his peers when we look at it from a draft capital point of view. I mean, you look at last year's power output, he just really overperformed. Maybe I shortchanged the importance of pulling the ball. Because when you look at the power metrics, a lot of them last year just weren't there. Look like we were starting to get to a tail end. I mean, below 38% hard hit rate on StatCast, that's the raw 95-mile-an-hour metrics. That's that's just average. He had a 7% bow rate. He had a 3 sub-3% blast rate, 335 expected Woba on contact. These are all below average. These are not... These are not the underpinnings of a 30 home run player. That's just, and, and he had the underpinnings, but it's the truth. That's not when you pull away the barrels and the bombs and you're looking at the stuff underneath, that's not how to get the 30 home runs looking forward. So I, you know, was over my skis with, I just didn't think we were going to get there. And I thought that was going to be the big disappointment that if you were hoping for the 300 average, you were going to get 260. If you're hoping for 35 home runs, you're maybe going to get 20, three or 24, right? I wasn't selling them totally, but I didn't think you were getting 28, 32. And I think why I have to take the lowercase L is because I think this start gets us to 28. Like I think, you know, I, that's how you get to 28, right? You come flying out of the box and now he could just be him, right? He could just be him even with those maybe flawed, bit of a flawed basket. So you got to love Arenado though. I think, I think I'm still with Joe because Third base, and I covered this on my the show today, very hard to replace. There's very little replacement out there, and those Kevin Smith guys right now are scrambling, and we're probably glad we had him as a CI. And not, I heard some people saying, oh, I think he's viable as a third baseman. If you went that route, you're in a lot of trouble. I've only had to replace him as a corner infielder, which is a bit easier. Third base, I, and to that, to Joe's point even further, I'm not replacing him with a third baseman, right? So I've been able to replace a third baseman at CI with a first baseman. There are no third basemen to be had. So I think you got to hold Arenado. If you happen to stumble on something, maybe if you have Bryson Stott and he gets an eligibility, ends up in an everyday role and is producing, then maybe you could flip Arenado for a pitcher to get you down the stretch. But I think I'd be holding. He looks good. Uh, and that's Nolan Arenado, which this is probably a great time during the show for me to give the PSA of we don't hate players. None of us do. We're talking about trading a player, being down on a player. We're wanting to get rid of a player. It has to do with value. I'm trading Nolan Arenado if I can get more than I think he's worth. It's been a week. Um, my player values haven't really changed much. So if someone else's have shifted dramatically and I could take advantage of that, I'm going to. Uh, so that's really what it comes down to. Uh, so which leads us to our next player, Alex Bregman. Uh, he has been looked good. You're either again preseason in or out on this guy. I was out. I didn't necessarily rule out a turnaround, but he was just going in that area where I just refused to to gamble because he was still going a little higher than maybe I was happy with. But here we are. He's batting 389 with uh, a couple of home runs, uh, only a 10% uh, K rate, 5% walk rate. He's you know, basically he looks like 
Alex Bregman. <laughs> uh, he, you know, that's that's kind of the guy he looked like. Maybe he's not going to give us the speed like he used to in the old days, uh, but uh, he looks pretty solid here. But yeah, again, uh, if we're handing out lowercase L's, I guess give one to me. He looks good. He looks good enough for me to just anoint this as he's back. Uh, I mean, he looks good. <laughs> the plate discipline's there. He's hitting the ball hard. Alex Bregman looks good. I didn't think he would. Uh, my bad, everybody. <laughs> Joe, where, where, where were your thoughts on Alex Bregman? <laughs> Well, I'm old enough to remember when Alex Bregman was a top 15 overall fantasy player. So I was right back into that L and uh, I've got a few shares of Alex Bregman. So I'm loving that. Uh, To me, it was most about health last year. You know, I think Alex Bregman also has that negative stigma still attached to them because of the Astros scandal, scandalous stealing signs. They all steal signs. Please, let's uh, let's not get into that. But like, here's my thing with Bregman is that he is an all world prospect becomes an all world player has a down year based upon health. So as long as the health was right going into this year, I was all in at the discount because especially at the discount, I was in some drafts where he was falling and I was just, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I was in a, um, a salary cap draft where I, he went for, I think 20, $28 or something. I was like, Oh, that's a steal of the draft. I mean, there's just no way you, you know, you can't get a return on that if he's anything close to Alex Bregman. So to me, I look at Alex Bregman as, yeah, I, I I think the overreaction from last year's injury is just that. Now, I will put the caveat on there. If health turns sour again, then we can start having that more complex conversation about Alex Bregman. But I think he's one of those one guys because third base, once again, same thing, is a wasteland. It's worth taking a shot on non-cores Arenado. It's worth taking a shot on healthy Alex Bregman because you know what the ceiling is of those guys. And I think when you look at some of the other guys towards the bottom and middle of that trough at their base, it's a lot of question marks. And I don't have any question marks about Bregman except the health. And clearly he's healthy. And look, it's it's also been some good matchups to start. It's been some good matchups for Arenado, too. You play the Pirates out of the gate. Uh, who, who are the Astros playing out of the gate now? I can't remember the first week, last week. Oh, God. Who were they playing last week, John? Uh, the Astros. The, but, I mean, they they've had. The, they just have the Diamondbacks, too, right? Yeah, the Diamondbacks, right. So yeah. they, they've had they've had good matchups here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let, let's keep that in mind. That's a positive. Sure. But at the same point, you know, I believe in Alex Bregman's talent. And I do think that he's going to return again. The other top five, third baseman kind of guy might even top three when all said and done, because this dude is still just entering his best years. Any disagreement there, John? I'm really excited about Alex Bregman. Joe and I were simpatico on this through the offseason. And I, I felt like it showed <laughs> We saw the leg injury, and it was reflected in the sprint speed. We saw an, an anomalistic sprint speed. He's not a burner, but if a guy tells you his leg is hurt and you see it show up where now his stat cast is blue, okay, that's something. Then he complained also about a wrist, which I, I hadn't heard about. It was a little, I was a little late to the party in this one. And it wasn't structural it, like ligaments. It was a growth that he had removed, but it was giving him discomfort with swing. He said the two of the, the, the injuries together were affecting his lift. And then again, you kind of look at that anomalistic ground ball rate last year, and now that's kind of back, right? So if you look at the elevation basket, where he was always a low to mid-30s ground ball guy, you were getting mid 40s fly ball rate the only one of these things is not like the other one of these things just doesn't belong and it's 2021 so now with those things kind of rectified i was looking for health and lift we got both of them he looks really really good the plate skills are there 
I and I think he's healthy. So I'm really glad where I missed on Al Arenado, lowercase L, it was because I really like Bregman. And I definitely feel like I have a lowercase W here that I'm like getting my finger heading towards the cap lock because he looks like the a true steal. I mean, I queued him up everywhere. I have him on every underdog team. I even ran him in that home run derby, that big national contest, because it, it you need you're trying to buy last year's trash in this one, right? You're looking for guys mm-hmm. that didn't hit a lot of home runs last year that are going to hit home runs because it's like a salary cap based on last year's home runs. Bregman jumped off the page. I think he hit like, I don't know, 11 or 12. And he's got a chance to hit. I never thought of him as a 40 home run guy because that's what I want to get to. Joe makes Joe so many good points. You're right about the trash can thing. I think the other wart for Bregman's analysis was the breakout was in 2019 with the ball, right? He hit 40. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is, John? When you go back and look at those stats, though, from the trash can era, if you will, (laughs) his OPS is higher on the road than it is at home. And at the end of the day, I'm like, one thing that was held held, uh, against Bregman, regardless of trash cans, was also his home park where you people look at the average home run distance and it was like one of the lowest in the league. Uh, so that was something that was being held against him too. So it's just like one of those things where, well, he's still playing there, isn't he? Yeah. But pull no, no, no. I'm just saying, <laughs> there was uh, people that wanted to doubt him, had a checklist no, they were right. willing to go after and he's a dick and that doesn't oh, help. Yeah. But how I mean, so am I and look at all the success If he I wasn't had. a dick, there wouldn't be as many people fading him, and that's just the truth. Yeah, you're right. You know, it happens. He's like, oh, I don't want to – You know what? I don't want to draft him. Nah, he's a dick. <laughs> but so am I, and look at all the success That's I why had. I like him. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> look at the – Joe, look at the Venn diagram. <laughs> no, right, but so you know what? You, you got to put all that stuff away. You always yeah. got to put those things – If you want – You can find a neg- – You can find deep stats to back up any argument of any side you want to take. You really And can. I think this is sometimes where I think that all the deep stats sometimes as a community of fantasy baseball sometimes does more harm than good. I think we have to look at more as results sometimes. What are the results that we're trying to get to? How do we get there? Okay, some of that is important, yes. But more often than not, the results are what matters the most. And a guy who gives you consistent results at the end of the day, I think that's something we need to pay more attention to. It's hard to drive in runs. People think RBIs are a fluke. You know, you got a guy in a runner in scoring position, you want to drive that guy in consistently. That is a skill. That's something that Manny Ramirez was great at, and he produced. And I'm so sick and tired of everybody telling me how things don't matter. All that matters is the extra stats. You know what? We're not playing swinging strike rate as a category. We're not playing like we're playing RBI. So is he driving in runs? Is he in a good lineup? Is he got guys ahead of him getting on base? Yeah, okay. Well, that's all I need to know sometimes. Next year, we swing See, I told you I was. It's a standard category. Joe's going to be super pissed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move over to stadium. I give you a big thumbs down. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to uh, move over to some pitchers here off to a hot start. And we're going to start, of course, because I'm a homer with Tyler McGill. Not even a homer. He's currently the best pitcher in baseball, and it's irrefutable. <laughs> Currently, zero ERA. He's got like, you know, 11, 12 strikeouts. He was throwing like 94 last year on average, little 94 and a half. Uh, he's coming out now throwing 99 uh, in the beginning innings, lowers to 97. But again, he has that extra velocity later when he needs it. You'll see him dip, but then he comes back. Uh, the changeup looks good. Slider looks good. I mean, he's changed his delivery. Uh, and he is confident out there. I mean, he, nothing's bothering him. They let him play opening day because Buck Showalter said he likes that he has uh, runs with a low pulse, and that's basically what you mm-hmm. look like out there. He, he's just 
you know what he looks like is he looks like, you know, he's been hanging out with Scherzer and DeGrom. I mean, <laughs> he's out there just like, I don't care. I'm out here to do my thing. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. So I'm all in. I mean, I love this guy when I watched him last year in like A and double A I'm, I'm watching all these starts. I'm like, Oh, he looks great. I remember tweeting out like everyone grabbing your dynasty league. I didn't expect this to happen, but I mean the big drip six foot, six foot seven or six foot eight. It yeah, looks like big he looks like he could be Brandon Woodruff. Like that's what we're looking at here. Possibly uh, Joe, you're a Mets fan. So am I, I am, am, unfortunately. I, am I a little too enthusiastic here? Cause I don't think I no. am. I don't think I am. No, you're not. Tyler. Uh, I look, <laughs> Ty the thing I love about this uh, Tyler, I am Tyler, the terrible, uh, last year when he came up, I remember on the show on leading off, I was talking with Dan Harris and I said, look, I love this guy's demeanor. I love how unflappable he is. He gives up a, hit, a hard hit somewhere. He's just right back at it. And, and that to me is what stuck out was the demeanor on the mound, which again, doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but it's something that if you have a pitcher with talent at the big league level, and he's got that kind of demeanor and presence on the mound that goes a long way if he could figure out the nuances and it looks like he's figured out the mechanical nuances you had a couple miles per hour on the fastball next thing you know you got a star and we can call him tyler de grom right now because that's basically what he's pitching like i mean let's be honest like, that's can he sustain it i don't know but i don't think it's a fluke either i don't think a good version of him is a fluke i don't think he should be running going oh my god i gotta unload this guy as soon as possible I don't think he is that guy that you drafted late or that you picked up off the waiver wire. So I would recommend holding, especially in a market where starting pitching is always a problem. You've already got Taiwan Walker you know, on the IL to start the year. You got DeGrom to start the IL. There's a good chance that McGill makes 20-ish starts, maybe even more. So you can't worry about limits. You can't worry about any of that stuff. Live in the now with him because the now is very good. And when you're doing it against the Phillies, that means a lot more to me than when you're doing it against the Nationals. And that's a that's a tough lineup. That Philadelphia lineup. This has a lot of good dudes in there. And those guys, one mistake, they take you deep. That game's over. But I think I keep coming back to the same thing you touched on that, which is the confidence. The confidence this guy has on the mound. And this is why it's important. You can't just study the stat sheets. You got to watch some of the guys, and you got to watch, especially the new guys. Get a sense of for what they are. And if you got a sense of him last year, even though he had a four and a half ERA, you saw the strikeout potential. You saw that he was a guy that you know looked like he was figuring it out. So this is really exciting start to the season and much needed in this Mets rotation. Him and Bassett were incredibly impressive to start the year. So it's a lot of encouraging signs there. Also, um, less red flags than you would expect to see as far as like uh, repeatability, easy mechanics, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fastball change up. It'll work now. It worked in 1950. It'll work in 2050. Fastball change up. He's working in the slider. Increased velocity, the velocity. It's just, it's it, and it's philosophy. So he's dropping yeah. bars all over the place, man. He's <laughs> such a good rapper. Place. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, what do you, what do you think here, John? Uh, because I mean, this just looks like a perfect recipe. If you wanted to build a pitcher quickly, like what do you want? I don't, you need five things. You build Tyler McGill is who you build. Well, he certainly looks like a league winner right now. I would not be trading him. You know, like there are, like I said, there are times where you hit late in the draft, that you look to flip it immediately, he's not that. He's a league-winning potential. I'd not say I have cold water, but I, I think there's a just a touch of regression is going to come with the four-seamer. So I'm not in love. With, I think he's overperformed with the four-seamer. Though I could swear I was watching the games, and they were had him rung up at like 98. Savant has him maxed out under 97 right now. So there's some kind of incongruence with the guns, which I get. And I think there's probably a lesson there to always kind of be careful. I just checked Savant had him topped out at 96 
97.7 with the fastball. They have a 96.4 average. I thought they were talking about him throwing 98.99. Like I'm almost. No, he, I, he got clocked at 99 in both Washington and in Philly. So I, I know I for a fact that I that I saw that. But like I said, maybe I'm looking at the average per game. So maybe there were spikes. So again, velo what it is. The the shape of his fastball at see this is where we're getting at at 96 doesn't have 27% whiff rate that we've seen. If he is going to throw 98-99, he will be able to get away with that shape. He has a little bit too much drop with not enough tail to have a 27 whiff at 96. If he's going to throw 98, he's going to have a 27 whiff. He's whiff, he's going to be ridiculous. The reason I'm saying this, Matt, is because I don't know if you if and people have picked up on this. He has kind of ditched the curve outright. Okay, and this is something I didn't – I just – man, there weren't enough days in the preseason for me to get this out at the Athletic. I really wanted to cover what I was – I don't even know if it has a name. I was calling it a targeted approach. What we've seen very much – I mean, it's been hyper-focused on now the last couple of years is pitchers being viewed by the club in two lenses as the pitcher when they face righties and the pitcher that they face lefties. When you look at McGill's approach this year, it is fully targeted. Like, he does not throw the changeup to righties. He does not throw the slider to lefties. So people get in trouble now looking, oh, okay, he has three pitches, and they're all 18% of the time. But, 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 big shaking butt, get the garden hose and the soapy water. That's not the case because, it, it, yeah, it may be 18% total but it's 50 percent to righty so like be careful when we talk about secondary and tertiary pitches because of these new targeted approach it's really working for him and i wonder and i didn't mean to, i shouldn't have said he ditched it he's ditched it thus far because he's gotten the effect he's looking for so what i believe we're going to see from mcgill is just that you're going to get the fastball and a same hand side change he throws a same hand side change to lefty so he's going to be looking to work that far side of the rubber Away from lefties in combination with the fastball, he hasn't. I think he threw one curveball all year yet, all year so far, where he was working that in as a secondary. So it looks like now, and he's going to do the opposite with righties. You're going to get fastball and sliders that break away from righties. Again, he hasn't used the curveball, but I don't think he's ditched it. I think it might be in his back pocket. God, the sky's the limit. Think about that. He hasn't even shown us a weapon. He has a full out pitch. We haven't seen yet. I'm not so quick to say that we're not going to see it. I think it's going to be tar- – again, I'm, I'm overusing the word targeted, but I think it's going to be used with purpose, right? That's what I mean to say. So all wheels – I'm like tr- trade high for McGill. He's an extremely valuable dynasty piece, keeper piece. How many more of these starts before we're like, okay, he's legit? So I, I, what I, every the more I dig into the scrutiny – he holds up to it all. Plus, I, I hate to do the tangibles. That's why I like to follow people like Joe. I'm very cold analytically. Dude, it's the truth. I'm very you cold. You are cold. You I are am. very cold and analytic. I am, but I also understand that there's more to it. So I go yes. to people that have a good – you not only have a good understanding of it, I feel like you're very good at applying it. And these things matter. He's very, very cool. You know that what he reminds me of, Johnny? He reminds me a little of, yeah, you know, he reminds me, no, he reminds me a little bit of how Corbin Burns kind of snuck up on everybody. Wow. Like Corbin Burns. Well, but I mean, but but here's like, but look, I'm not saying he's going to be Corbin Burns, but this happens a lot. We get guys who show up out of nowhere, seemingly who have size and have all the right tools and then kind of just put it together. And 
Corbin Burns, I don't think was any, I can, nobody was like banging down the prospect door of Corbin Burns. Not anybody I know. People talked about him, but nobody's like, oh, Corbin Burns is going to be winning Cy Young's in two years. Nobody said that. And I'm not saying he's going to necessarily be that, but I think it's very important that, you know, when you see guys like Woodruff show up kind of out of nowhere, Burns show up kind of out of nowhere. Now it's a guy like uh, Taylor McGill or Tyler, the Terribles, I like to call him. When you get those guys, pay attention because when something clicks for you as a pitcher and you already have all of those measurables, you know, they talk about measurables a lot on the NFL side, but we don't talk about it enough in the, in the baseball side. Are you a big guy who looks like you could probably throw 200 innings and probably physically stand up to that? And do you have the right mental mindset? Oh yeah. And do you have a plus fastball and all the other little things? Okay. Are you teachable? Can you figure out the nuances? See, I can't teach six, seven. I can't teach 98, but what I can teach is the nuances of pitching. And I think when you have the right environment around a guy like that, and look, I'm a Buck Showalter guy, I always have been. Back to his Yankee days, I was a Buck Showalter guy. So I think that when you have the right influence around and guys like Scherzer and guys like DeGrombe, you can only learn from those kind of guys. It's a really good environment, and I think it's something to pay attention to. Ride these guys as long as you can. All right, so that's 2022 Cy Young Award winner Tyler McGill. <laughs> we were just talking about. Uh, we've gone through six players um, in 50 <laughs> minutes, so we are. What going did you to- expect? You had two Italians on in the morning. <laughs> what is? We're all well rested. What did you expect to do? Let's fly through everything else. Yeah, what else we're gonna got? we're gonna limit uh, John specifically to two sentences for each player. <laughs> Um, and then we're going to get to our things that we like to watch early in season as far as statistics go. Uh, Carlos Rodon, real quick. I've seen, you know, he came out five innings. What is it? Billion strikeouts uh, in his first uh, game. Sell! 12. 12 strikeouts. <laughs> well, I see people on Twitter like, he looks healthy to me. Yeah. Today. Today. Yeah. yeah he looked healthy today. Um, he's, he's a sell of a lifetime. Yes. He is. But the problem is, what are you getting? Like if you're gonna give me McGill and somebody else, maybe I'm actually listening to that. Like, because I, because if you told me, I think that's the perfect thing. Do you want Carlos Rodon, who was brilliant last year, but you know is an injury risk every year, or you want to take a chance on Tyler McGill, who doesn't have the injury history here, who looks equally as dominant, and yeah, probably has a path to a rotation spot most of the year. It's a fair question. I am always gonna sell Rodon. The question is, what are you gonna get for him? If you can get. Framber Valdez for him, or you can get, um, I'm trying to think of some other guys that maybe people don't believe in enough or pay attention to like Sean Manai, I think is a really good pitcher. You're listing all these people that you should have drafted in the same area of Rodon instead. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what? And, and, and I think that's exactly the point because the point is I feel better about that cluster of pitchers at that price than I do about Carlos Rodon. So oh, me too. Uh, so it's some, who else is in that cluster that's underperformed? So said, I guess if you I mean, draft the him though, you kind of have to go above that. Right. Cause like you picked him, therefore you kind of have to want more than that by default. Right. I don't know. You give me so Charlie Morton him. for the rest yeah. of the season. I'll take him any day of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, who would you rather have rest of the season, John, uh, Carlos Rodon or Jesus Lazardo? <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. I don't know. Oh, why not both? Can I have the GIF? Why not both? No. No, that's tough. No, no I get oh, man. Who's you know, his own issues with I don't want to be that person. Hey, I don't waste Rodolfo. your words. You have two sentences. I was worried about Rodolfo, so I'm gonna go Lozardo. I'm not oh, yeah, I'm fooled. He fooled me. He looks healthy now. I'm I'm like, he looks great. And I believe so much in San Francisco, but I'll go Lazardo. 
lefties, man. Sometimes they take a little, they got to take a little extra time to bake. Uh, what do you, are you in on Lizardo, uh, Joe? Bake I'm in wizard. on Lizardo, but here's my problem. When you bake in already, I know he's going to be limited. And I know he's had injuries also, and he's never had a full season or close to what Rodon did last year. This is like, this is, you know, you've got to choose the lesser of two evils. And I think Rodon's the lesser of those two evils right now. Um, backtracking, uh, who would you rather have rest of the season? Jesus Lazardo or Matt Brash? I think Lazardo for me there. I, I look, Lazardo was a guy that I watched pitch in the A system before he even came up. But I remember, mm-hmm. you know, being very excited for this guy. And then, you know, once again, health matters and maybe change of scenery is going to do him a good thing. Now, last year, it certainly didn't look like it was going in the right direction. But I think I, I think this is where I lean on the pedigree of Lazardo personally, where I, like, he was always supposed to be this dude. So I'm going to try to buy on him being this dude now. It's a, it's, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I also agree with you. It is. Um, but it's crash. I, I, ironically, I mean, the, the, the rookie that came out of nowhere in terms of what most people, you know, he's not a top prospect that a lot of people knew. He probably has the least red flags of the three <laughs> being the unproven rookie. Uh, so it's very odd. What are your just thoughts on brash in general, John? Because I mean, Holy crap. Does he look good? I mean, the, the stuff plays for sure uh, against anyone. He's going to, I mean, literally um, if, when he's on, uh, he, it does not matter the lineup he's going against. He will not be on at certain points and he will get destroyed. That will happen. But um, yeah, if his stuff was, a, was a, like it was yesterday, I mean, no one can really hit it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of rough for me because for all the work that I do nonstop, Unfortunately, I have blind spots, and Matt Brash kind of fell in into that. He looks phenomenal. He has an insane amount of tail on the fastball. It has so much ride to it. It's just really, really hard for hitters to catch up to. He's got other two 32% whiff pitches on him. He's going to be so legit. And I talk about organizations when it comes to pitching. He's in the right place. They're getting the most out of players right now. Yeah, good luck prying Brash from that owner. Good luck, because I think he's going to be a really valuable piece. I think, if anything, the it's whether or not we're going to get him into the sixth inning often. I'm not sure about that part. He's, I mean, I would say he's arguably easily the the uh, the best guy to sell high of this trio, right? Because, because of the duration? You are most likely to get above what he's worth. Probably. The, in as, redraft, as far as where you got him versus high. what you can trade up, you can probably yeah, trade true. higher. Higher above. But don't you feel like the innings limit is probably – I don't think where – Yeah. I, I, I think he's capped. Even on a per-game basis, I don't think you're going to see the sixth or the seventh inning almost no matter how efficient he is. We've seen that that kind of usage pattern. And sometimes five innings, one run, six Ks, it's good. But, like, you could get more for it, like you're saying, because people love that, you know, yeah. the swing and strike stuff. That's Matt Brash. The, uh, the awesome Matt Brash. I'll start with you, John, on this. Well, he's uh, also going to – Brash is also going to have to go against Houston. And he's going to have a lot. Oh, yeah. He's going to have a lot of starts against Houston and the and the Angels. Those yeah. are pretty good lineups. <laughs> yeah, the, the t- I mean, yeah, yeah, besides the innings limit, the, the typical teams will figure him out at some point. It's a rookie pitcher. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Uh, if you want to buy Matt Brash, just wait until he gets lit up. It's going to happen. And then you can get him back and then, you know, play matchups. Well, whatever. Pay attention. Uh, Kyle Gibson. I know this is one. And for some reason, this is just one of your guys, John. Always. Uh, I mean, <laughs> 10. What do you have? 10 strikeouts? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I know he's one of your guys here, but I mean, this seems like a, a nice and easy uh, early season sell high. If someone's like, oh, I really, you know, someone lost to Grom or Giolito and they really need an arm. It's like, hey, look who I got, Kyle Gibson. He'll fix your problems. Well, I, I he added the cutter, which we were on top of. Oh, no. Don't try to sell me that this is legit. Don't do it. He's good. He's, he's not. He's good. not a he's, ten strike. He's, he's not a ten strikeout pitcher. I, I'm not okay. going there. I thought you were he trying to is, sell me on that. No, 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 no. But but I do think in the age of limited innings pitched, especially if you have a nine pitcher rotation and FBC style, he, again he's probably format dependent. I I'm selling him faster than you know you could say the train to Tuscaloosa in point leagues, but in roto in an NFBC style. He's my favorite P9 because I think you're going to get quality six innings every five days. And then sometimes you're going to get spike weeks as well. Kyle uh, Gibson is a nice pitcher, but he's not special. Right. It's vanilla. He'll have some vanilla. Yeah, it's good. Like van- it's good vanilla. vanilla. It's not like the. Uh, I don't even know. Let's look. He's more like the good vanilla you get from the generic brand of the grocery store. That you're like, this is surprisingly good. And <laughs> you would actually serve it at company. Okay, came, at least it's homemade. But it's not it's like <laughs> it's not like the homemade Briars vanilla that's really good. Like that's okay, a really good okay. vanilla ice cream. Okay, so it's not yeah. slow churned vanilla. No, it's bean. like it's like the no, it's it's the it's the store brand that happens to be surprisingly better than you thought it was going to be. Okay, that you got like two for three bucks or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay. this is actually pretty good. But I'm not happy with that. This. And you're he's, full. He's ice cream and not frozen yogurt. Well, I will not concede. You know what he is? Wacky no, Matt. They were out of macaroni and cheese once. So for my nephew, we once, instead of Kraft macaroni and cheese, we got this back box of Wacky Mac. And according to uh, whoever ate it, said it, quote, wasn't terrible. That's that's Kyle Gibson. <laughs> um, have some whack you, and cheese. Who would you rather have rest of season, Kyle Gibson or or industry darling? Well, I guess in his in his own niche is uh, Nick Pavetta. Who would you rather guys have rest of season? <sighs> Man, that's a tricky one. Um you know, Gibson's pitched pretty well for a, a little while now. And he was a guy. See, I have a hard time shaking the 5.9 K per nine rate of Kyle Gibson's Minnesota days from my brain, from my memory banks. I have a hard time getting rid of that, but I kind of need to, cause he's gotten a little bit better there. And Pavetta is always all over the place. I probably go with Kyle Gibson. I'm just going to take the store brand vanilla. Probably. <laughs> you'd rather, you'd rather have the, you know, the, the safety of the bubble, the Kyle Gibson bubble. Like if you go, you know what there, Pavetta, Pavetta is, Pavetta is the guy. Pavetta is the ice cream in that same tier, but it's like it's got all these these things in it. And you're like, oh, cool, I like that and that and that. But you get it, and it's like the peanut butter cups that don't taste good, or it's got like the it's got like fudge swirl, but it's only got like one swirl in it. And you're like, this wasn't really as advertised. I feel like that's the Pavetta ice cream. Man, I really I relate to this ice cream talk. I was gonna say <laughs> Pavetta is the ice cream that has like a jelly bean in it, and you're like, what the. What is this? And I, that's listen, <laughs> Harry Potter jelly beans that taste like grass. No, no. Listen, apples to apples. I think Pavetta, I think Pavetta is the better pitcher. And I think he's even the better fantasy pitcher, but you got to consider the division. And you know, Joe was mentioned before when you, you have to think about these pitchers in the context with the matchups, there are too many matchups that Pavetta is just not going to be viable for, right? There are times where Yankees one start, Blue Jays one start. Anytime that those teams pop up in a two start is time to think twice. So that's really the differentiator. I used to like Pavetta. He's a little too erratic for me. Again, I don't want to overplay Gibson. I just think he's a quality start machine. I think if you need six innings with four Ks and two runs, that's Kyle Gibson every time. 
we're going to skip off the, the players off to a bad start because again, it's nothing is stabilized and there's a couple of guys that are worth talking about maybe. And we can get to them here, but I really wanted to get to this next part of uh, just things for everyone to watch for. Uh, we just talked about a bunch of players that are off to a hot start and, and joked about how, you know, they're obviously not going to hit five fifty. Uh, but there are certain things you can look at early in the season to help you in your player analysis in order to make decisions. Because like I said, you know, if someone is struggling at their end of your bench and they're already expendable and you want to churn through uh, and pick up guys, like what should you be looking for here? So Joe, what are your favorite things to look for as far as hitters and pitchers metrics, things you're just looking in the eye test, like early in the season, you got to make decisions. Like what are you looking for early in the year to try to make these like impossible decisions based on no data? <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things just from the betting market, is the the K props have been very low so far to start. They've baked in or I think over baked in the uh, the innings totals of pitchers or the pitch counts of pitchers, but not enough of the factor of the hitters are typically behind the pitchers this time of year. So there's been money to be made there. So to me, that's like the biggest trend that people aren't realizing right now. And it's going to last for another couple of weeks, probably. So we've seen like the pitcher, the, the prop totals on K props specifically go you know, over every day. And I remember Otani's on opening day was like four and a half. And I looked at it and I was like, what is that? What are you nuts? Four and a half. And they're like, well, he's only going to go five innings. Well, okay. He went four and two thirds. He struck out nine guys. Like that's, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep in mind where we're at in the, in the style of baseball we play, where the hitters are at this time of year, the pitchers are ahead of them. And these prop numbers are low. So I think that combination, that's a trend right now that I'm continuing to stay on. So if you're into the betting market, that's one for me, Matt. Yeah, yesterday I had like a, a Cobb and Brash. It's like over under yeah, four and a half. Oh, the Cobb. Like, oh, we we you. put Cobb and Lazardo together in the DK lineup yesterday on leading off. That was our big that was I was like, listen, this is gonna work. I'm telling you, go oppo tonight, go away from like go with these two guys. You can pay for everything else. And that worked out. <laughs> that was okay. John, what are you looking for uh, early in the season here? For me, it's it's not much. It's really playing time and if maybe more so throughout a slump. So we've seen some players kind of get dropped, you know, in lineups. Um, Edmund dropped, kind of sat there. Jazz Chisholm dropped, is kind of sat there. And again, it's not to overreact. It's just I'm watching that because to me, if you don't perform and you hold on to that spot, there's a level of vote of confidence there where the players that get dropped, you have to keep an eye on playing time and lineup position. Because the drop-in lineup spot is the next step to being platooned. And I'm not implying Edmund or Chisholm are getting platooned, but getting dropped to eighth is is the first step there, right? Quan getting moved up to two, we're looking for that. Show me a guy playing every day, getting more of a premium lineup spot than guys kind of being devalued. Uh, again, Matt, you're hunched them right. Don't want to overreact to any of these weird, wonky stats. They're, they don't really mean much at all. And maybe rolling charts are helpful for people right now because a rolling chart will fit within the greater scope and it'll just give you an idea. I know Joe likes to look at – this is something I used to fail at when I first got in, only looking at the last seasons. When you want to look at the body of work and it'll give you an idea where it falls into the greater trend. Yeah, and they, um, we're talking about things that uh, you can look for early in the season. As far as anyone who wants to play with numbers, wants to go to fan graphs, wants to go to baseball savant, they love the pretty colors, the red, the the blue. They they like, oh, what is the player doing? Red, he's good, right? What, I'm, what else I'm sorry, I'm happen? getting like a government alert. I can't shut this off. My phone's muted. Silver alert. John's on the loose. Um, uh, it's because that, that the incident we had. Yeah, no, no. Can you imagine looking for a loudmouth Italian baseball analyst? Oh, guys, I gotta go. No, it's because of yesterday. You know, there, there's helicopters been crazy over oh, there lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, 
train of thought, train, train of thought derailed. Um, so yeah, if you want to look at numbers, uh, yeah, ignore all the you know expected stats. I mean, nothing right now. Uh, all that you know, whoa, but I mean, there's a lot of things that like right now they're they're going to be worthless. If you want to look at something for hitters and pitchers in order to identify, especially ones like hot players, you want to pick up off the waiver wire that maybe you uh, are not sure about. You want to see if something's legit. It's always plate discipline for me. Those stabilize faster than anything. For, for pitchers, K minus walk rate is your absolute friend uh, to go in because that just gives you the best single number that stabilizes as fast as possible. Right now, you're looking at one, maybe two starts, so it's nothing that can really help you now. But early in the year, once you get a few more, like five starts in, uh, that's something that's great. And then for hitters, same thing. You want to look at their their plate discipline, the walk rate, strikeout rate. Yeah. Um, it'll stabilize real quickly. It'll let you know, especially if like rookies are coming in um, and, uh, you know, they'll let you know how, you know, if they're going to stick or not or how, you know, if they're struggling and their strikeout rate is like 35 percent, you know, OK, this is legit. It's a problem. So, uh, yeah, plate discipline for me is the thing to watch. Not enough data right now, but as the, in the month moves on, that is definitely the first thing you're going to lo- want to look at, in my opinion. Uh, so that uh, being said, we're going to end the show with. Uh, a little bit of buy low and sell high based on a very, very short week. People are really freaking out and they're looking to make moves because that's what people do. So what are our, some of our favorite buy lows, which I know is very difficult. The sell highs will be fun. We'll talk about probably a bunch of those. We've already talked about a bunch, uh, but Joe, who would be someone you'd be looking to buy low right now? Someone who is struggling uh, that you're not worried about where if someone for some reason is panicking and wants to buy one of these, you know, hot start guys, who are you trying to fish out of some, uh, some ones, uh, antsy hands? Well, I am, uh, I'm confident that Jose Altuve will turn around a cold start. I'm not really worried about this at all. Um, I think Alex Kirilov is another guy for me too. I just, I love the talent and I know he was on the original list, but that's another guy too, for me that I, I have, and I've already gotten trade offers for him. After one week, I was like, guys, come on, bro. Really? Uh, I'm also very any, confident. Any worry about, the, any worry about like wrists or anything with him with a slow start? Uh, a little bit, but it's also cold. I mean, I, you know, it's like it's at that time of year, too, where you're like, OK, just, you know, Minnesota in April is not a good place. <laughs> it's not fun. You don't want to be there. Um, but I think I, I mean, that- I love Kirilov. I'm not going to fool anyone. Last year, I know I you're a week yeah. with Alex Kirilov kicks ass was a tweet I put out every day. <laughs> <laughs> so he does, man. He's a good baseball player. Um, I'm not worried about Bobby Witt Jr.'s slow start. And I'm all, another guy too is Jonathan India, who I think is a really good player, but people have soured completely on Cincinnati and he's off to a little bit of a slow start too. So if you're looking for second base help, Altuve and India, I think are two guys that are probably available that I would probably be looking for in trade. I wonder if he can even buy Bobby Witt Jr. low. I wonder if that's even a possible. You no, know, I don't know. I think I think if people bought him too high, they might be in panic. Like if you bought him at the very peak at the very last week before the season started. And and this is also natural baseball, right? A guy who's crushing at spring training, right? Of course, if he's crushing it for a couple of weeks, he's going to get cool. It's just timing of things. So it's Would you rather have Bobby Witt Jr. or uh, Alex Bregman. Oh, Bregman. That's not even there's no hesitation there. Well, Bregman's no, I'm, people, people were drafting Witt in like the second, third round at the end. I know. <laughs> You're but saying if someone's I, panicking, they would be looking to cash into something safer. Uh, John, who are some of your uh, your bylaws? I didn't know. I don't. I don't know because I wasn't paying attention to stats. I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like who do you buy low on? Everyone. Every everyone that isn't good that you liked beforehand, you should still like. Julio Urias right buying low. What? Who's that? Julio Urias. You buying low? No, I wasn't buying in the first place. So that's what I mean. I think had I liked anyone that I liked before, there's no one I've been shaken off of because of the start. That has not happened. So you darvish. Anybody, were you on him? If any, who's that? 
You Darvish, were you in on Darvish? No, I sold Darvish in my keeper league, and he got a pummeled. Joe, you know, are, you on are you on Darvish? I was because you Darvish has done this before, where he's had terrible seasons with Texas and bounced back, and terrible seasons with the Cubs and bounced back. So I just figured, okay, I know he's older, so most people are going to let him bounce back or think he can. So I'm just going to take him as cheap as I can if he is, and and yeah, so I'm in on Darvish this year. I think to find some, I want to try. Some, I want to try finding someone who's like truly panicking on Darvish just to see what their plan is. Because <laughs> last night really freaked people out. And like you said, it happens. It happens with him sometimes. Uh, but it's early in the season, and you, you see some weird stuff. What are you saying, John? I, yeah, the first start was great. I mean, come on, <laughs> first start he was maybe, hitless, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe you have a chance to capitalize on rookies, like people that maybe overbought the rookie, and then it starts to sit in like. You know, because we sell ourselves in these narratives. Wit is too good to ever struggle, and Julio Rodriguez is too good to ever struggle. You don't consider that in the range of outcomes, especially really struggle. Like, yeah, even if they're bad, they won't be terrible. And they kind of off to these really putrid starts, which, again, who cares? There is a chance that maybe we could capitalize there. So I guess that would be my answer to buy low is like J-Rod, even Kelnick, guys that maybe really have left bitter tastes. You know, guys that don't have a track record, because I think that's going to be very hard to pry from someone, you know, good players with five bad games, opposed to guys that haven't done it yet. So maybe I'd be going there, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Witt was always going to struggle when he came up. I mean, I projected his strikeout rate to jump up to pretty much where it is now, and he'll he'll probably be fine. But uh, you mentioned the name, so I can't skip by it. Jared Kalenic, uh Joe. Uh, are you a clinic guy, eh? I mean, I'm not. Kalenic. I've been a Julio guy, but Julio doesn't look good right now either. But I... I I don't know what it is with Kalanick. I think it's mental. I really do because he was such a polished guy. Yeah. I think maybe he's just I, – I think it would have been smarter this year, honestly, to start him at AAA. Uh, that, that's honestly the path I would have taken with him. Let him build his confidence. Let him be rock solid and then come in like gangbusters because I always feel like this is the worst pattern. The worst pattern is always it's, – it's that same thing of, of like a rookie quarterback, right? It was like, well – or a quarterback you're worried about. The Bears did this a couple of years ago with Trubisky, right? Where they said, yeah. oh, we're going to start Trubisky, and they're going to pull him. And then his confidence goes down even lower. And then eventually you want him to come back and kind of save the day in a couple of weeks. Like that's that's kind of a tough ask uh, of a young guy. So I think for Kalanick, it, it was a, the wrong choice. I would have started him in AAA, let him build the confidence, make sure he was ready to go when he came back up here. But I, I haven't been a Kellenic guy. I'm surprised he struggled as much as he has. So to me, it's not a physical tool thing. It's a mental one. So he's just got to get over that hump. But I mean, you'd love to see him get off to a, a good start in April. It just hasn't happened yet so far. It's only a week into the season, barely. So you're, I mean, uh, Julio is like, he's new. So I think people are going to be waiting more. Kellenic with the way it's gone with him. Like you said, he struggled. He went down, came back up, struggled, started the year, struggled. There's a real risk of being sent down still. Do you think if the price, I mean, if the price was low enough, to, I don't know what that would be. I mean, oh, when he gets, guy, no, I mean, see, I don't know. I just wait for everyone to drop him and then pick him up immediately and just stash him because okay. he will get dropped. He will be the most, I guarantee you, if you look at that most drop players in April, he will be in that tier by probably the end of the month. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And rather than trade assets, I'll just wait for somebody to drop them and then go get them because I don't see this big turnaround where all of a sudden it becomes, Oh, it's really, it's going to be really good next week. All of a sudden, I think this is a longer process and he might end up being a boss. It happens, happens more than we like to, to realize sometimes with prospects, but it does. Del- Delman young, not everyone's Wander Franco. <laughs> uh, my, then and that was uh, <laughs> my bylights. I wrote down a couple Mitch Hanniger, uh, uh, you know, I, isn't that your boy? Oh, I love me some Mitch Hanniger. 
He's off to a slow start. He, he will be absolutely fine. Um, catchers, Wilson Contreras, Tyler Stevenson, a couple of really struggling catchers. It's very hard to get a decent catcher in fantasy. So if for some reason you happen to have a hot, a hot player um, that you're, in a, you know, you're deep at a position and you can afford to trade from depth, you have a crappy catcher. There's a couple of really good ones that are off to some slow starts. Maybe try to grab one of them. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is blasphemy to some listening. They think you should invest in catchers, but you can invest low and pay less than I I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, so uh, sell highs. So I guess this is a, the, the, the fun part here. Um, who should everyone hit the ejector seat on Joe? This guy's trash. Don't even be tricked. Get him out of your team. Who are we talking about here? Well, look, I Joe hates all these players. About to talk about. Hates them. No, I mean, I, I would look to sell in Rodon. We already established that the other guy is his teammate who is Brandon Belt, which again, do we have to get beat over the head? Like Brandon Belt just doesn't play enough. He is always hurt. So he's not off to a good start too. like trade him. Trade, you know, anybody that, you know, is a huge risk that when you drafted them, you going to, you said to yourself, Oh man, you're holding your breath. And then it turns out really well. This is the problem we all have as fantasy players is that we all put so much work in and we think we're smart. And then when something we're not so sure about, or maybe we invest in and take a chance and it starts to work, we think we're geniuses and we refuse to look at the reality of it. And if you have to look at the reality of it in order to kind of play the market constantly, and this is where actually the, the wagering or even futures wagering really comes into play. You start to look at the season as a whole. You have to look at the whole of Brandon Belt's career, the whole of the major league season. If he has a great April, absolutely look to package him for something that's more reliable that you think can be what Brandon Belt was in April, but for five months after. And I think that's the problem with Brandon Belt is it's not, it's not a talented guy. He's just never healthy. So why would I start to buy in now? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, I never hit 30 home runs because he can't stay on the field long enough. Although it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. If you drafted him though, you were like invested. So yeah, you got to, that's what I mean. I you're, like, you're like, it's working out. I'm a genius. I'm so smart. And then you got to turn around and go, what's the, what's the downside here? And it's very hard yeah. to, to come to that realization, especially when something's working, you, you know, know you, know, you don't want to break something if it's, you know, not broken. I want to try this. Cause I mean, it's hard, but if you're doing enough leagues, it, it, it's something that I it's just, this is something I haven't tried. I want to, you're saying that like, you know, these are guys you should trade. You should sell high, but the people that currently roster them obviously drafted them. And like, you know, let's you traded for them within a week. Um, I want to next year just draft people with the intent on just trading them because Byron Buxton trade him now. Um, I don't know if the, again, this blasphemous to everyone. I'm not rooting for anything bad. Here. It's going to be blasphemous to the Welsh. The Welsh is just so in love with Byron <laughs> Buxton all, all off season, all during the first week of the show. He's been so obnoxious. Thank God he's off today. I don't know what I would do if I had to listen to him talk about Byron Buxton again. I love you Welsh, but he is, and it is working for him right now, but it's the same thing, right? How do you, how do you live with Byron Buxton? <laughs> for a whole season. I don't know. Well, it's funny. It's like if you grab, if he falls in leagues, like people like that in, in the future, wait until him to fall in a draft, pick them up at a discount. When they get off to a hot start, everyone who was like on the fence is in trade them off, reap the benefits. Uh, so that's Byron Buxton and uh, John, who are your sell highs? I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm not even sure who's doing great to the point. I would be selling one person did jump off the page. If I, had Austin Meadows. I've, I've never been big on him, and he's really kind of hot right now, and people are wondering if it's going to be like this all-the-time, everyday thing. I'm not a fan. I'd be looking to get kind of anything. Other than that, I don't know. I guess I'm really into my own work, and I just I just don't like to overreact to anything. Guys I like that are doing well, I'm not saying I expect it, but I'm, I'm happy, and they're probably doing the things that I hoped. 
And the guys that didn't, I'm kind of having the patience to hope it happens. So I don't know. I, I know I didn't really do a great job with the last section, but it's the truth. I'm, I'm just not – it doesn't fit my style. I'm not looking to make early moves. Although I have to say, Matt, the Buxton thing is pretty – it's probably pretty sharp because I'm the ti- – I'm riding the tiger and I'm going to go down with the ship hoping that I get the monster season we know could happen. But it probably is the sharp move to sell him right now because you could get whatever you're asking for, right? You get whatever you're asking for. The pitcher, you could get McGill and the hitter you want and maybe a pick next year. You could just get the world for Byron Buxton. And we don't know, you know, we shouldn't be any more confident he's going to play 155 games now than we were a week ago. Here, you can get Bryce Harper one for one, probably. I mean, I do that in a millisecond. Yeah, yeah, wow. I would do yeah. that too in a millisecond. That was the exact trade we talked about yesterday on our show yeah. on leading off. We talked about, I was like, if you get, I was like, who would you rather have? And I was like, it's, it's not even close. It's, it's Harper. I mean, come on. Yeah, there are people that year. want Buxton too. You're right. There are people that would want Buxton. And look, Buxton, and I, and I keep saying this. I'm not trying to like hate on Buxton. You hate him. I want Buxton to be great. I want yes. him to have a great season. It's good for baseball. It would be great for the Twins to be competitive in that division. It's just how many times it's like people get, telling me all the time that like, here's the raise win total at 85. And I'm like, what are you stupid? Like, well, how many times do I have to see something before I get beat over the head with it? Do we know what it is? Like <laughs> the, the Rays are always going to win more than 85 games. And Byron Buxton's probably going to have more time on the IL than home runs at the end of the day. That's probably going to be what it is. And, and if for some reason the trend changes this year, that's good for baseball, but it's not about that. It's about what your investment level is. And if you can flip that for Harper, you do it. But if you can't, just sit tight and hope that this is that one year. That's all you could do. Everyone, we don't hate Buxton. We're we're suggesting you trade him for the MVP no, of the week. MVP has always been a guy that had more tools than necessarily baseball acumen. He was always to me when I watched him play. He was an athlete. Like I watched him. I remember when he got drafted. When he, I think it was second that year. If memory serves. I don't think he was the first player taken. It was second or third. And I remember going, man, this guy's a phenomenal athlete. I wonder when he's going to become a baseball player. And it's some guys never make that transition. I think he's starting to. I think you've seen that in the last couple of years. But the problem is also the style of play where he's running into walls and stuff like that. That's not good for your investment for 162 games. It's great for daily fantasy. Bucks that I love in DFS. Right now you ride that hot streak. But season long is a whole different animal. Um, For my but I mean, this is basically should have been my buy low too, but I'm going to put it as my sell high. And this is just a best piece of advice. I personally think I can give to anyone playing fantasy baseball early in the season. And that is uh, everyone on your team should be available at all times. Uh, everyone should be a buy low and a sell high. It's in the eye of the beholder. Your values of the players should not have changed in five days unless there's been an injury or a dramatic change to a job, which is probably closers at this point. Um, so, Put everyone out there. Hey, my whole team's available. <laughs> Do it. Tell your league. Everyone's available. Highlight the ones that are doing really well. Um, if someone wants to trade you someone at a discount that you had ranked higher than that, make the move. I mean, your ranking should be the same as they were before the season started. So if someone wants to make a trade with you where you get a massive profit based on your preseason valuations, just do it. A lot of people don't. Uh, they wanted to put so much stock into these stats. Just Erase them. Just pretend like the season never happened and uh, make trades as if, you know, the you, you were just going off your preseason rankings because more often than not, uh, you were going to be good there. So, I mean, you have to other, you know, other than injuries and things like that, you know, that that's the only thing that will change for me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking to upgrade wherever I can in trade leagues. And if someone wants to trade me a player I was really high on, 
uh, you know, and I have them significantly better. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot there. There's, there's very few differences like a kill I love him. He is not getting the, off to the start that I like. He is batting at the bottom of the lineup, even with Robbie Grossman out. Um, someone wants to trade me him. Yeah, I'm going to take him. Um, I'm going to trade you Andrew Benintendi for him too, which seems crazy now, but probably I'll be, I might be able to get more from you. I might be able to get Badu and something else because Benintendi's off to a good mm-hmm. start, but that's a good example for me because I was high on Badu. And after five days, there's nothing that should change that for a guy who was being drafted significantly after him. And maybe I can get a bonus thing thrown in. So anyway, that's my big rambling um, thoughts on that. Any final thoughts to close out the show, Joe? Any uh, words of wisdom for the the audience? From no, book- just uh, I, I love talking baseball with with people who are passionate. And this is great to talk to you guys and hang out with you all. So uh, my, my only thing is patience. It's April. Uh, it's a long season. And what they say, we got 162 more of these to go is what Lou Brown said, right? In uh, major league, same kind of thing. Just, just be patient. There's going to be ebbs and flows and try to stay ahead of the curve as much as you can. But again, it's only April. Don't go crazy right now in the first two weeks of the season about what you see, because it's going to be a distant memory by June 1st. Or do, if you do go crazy, send in the trades to the show. We'd love to and read send all the trades to Matt and send all your <laughs> trade offers. to him. <laughs> I like to see the insanity. Uh, John, any any uh, words of wisdom you like to impart on the masses? No, I think that's number one. I think you actually mentioned really one of the best things as far as strategy goes early in the season is don't be afraid to use the trade block. You know, I've had as many – I'm a very active trader in leagues that allow it. I, I like to communicate with people. It's fun. It helps you get you know your league mates. But some of the best trades for me that I've made, because I'm not probably too fair, you know, I make really fair trades that help everybody, is put out the players that you think other people are obsessed with. You know, even if you like Juan DeFranco, put him on the trade block. You don't have to trade him if you don't want to. But somebody might say, oh, my goodness, I have a chance to get the guy I really want. And you might get multiple players that you really want where, hey, you know, you got to give to get. So I really like that idea. I'm all about that. And sometimes you, know, you can't reach out to all 12 or 15 people in the league. So if they get the email from the message board, because I've had that happen also. I made a trade and this would text me and say, I would have given you more than that. Why don't you talk to me? No, first? Yeah. yeah right, right. We get that. That happens in fantasy leagues often. Oh, I could have beat that. I'm the person that does it all the time. I'm like, why don't you tell me I would have beat that? It's the truth. So try and just make yourself in that deal accessible because you really want the top return. Oh, other than that, yeah, I'm like a fire hydrant wide open right now. If, if you're into betting and baseball stuff, like I'm your guy. So just follow me on Twitter. Uh, any any of you guys, either of you make a trade, early season trade? I've made one. Oh, yeah. I've made one trade. We already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I haven't. I, Last I have year, to... I made a trade before the season started, right what? the day before How opening you... day. I, tated, I traded Taylor Trammell, who was having a fantastic spring, if you recall, last year, yeah. for Mitch Hanniger. And that worked out pretty well. Yeah, no, yeah that's the one awesome. trade I made last year, the first week of the season before it even started. But so far, I haven't made any yet. I've turned down one for Alex Kirilov, which was not a great offer. But uh, you know, at the same time, like it's it's so early, it's so difficult to make a trade right now. I opened up the I opened up the uh, the French doors to the to the fantasy world and uh, asked them what uh, they would give me for Steve Kwan, and one person walked in with Lords Guriel, and I hit the green chat mark immediately. Welcome to the squad, Lords Guriel. So, uh, yeah, Stephen Kwan. Um, 
Maybe that was a mistake. I don't think so, though. But as I, I said, think so. I don't think it was. Days, <laughs> I, it was a massive upgrade for me based on what I thought five days ago. So uh, I think I'm going to stick with that. So that's uh, that's the way to go. So uh, I know you guys already kind of uh, did your little outro here, but really quick, remind people what you are doing. Any new stuff? I know you got uh, the Daily Show going on over there now at Bets Pros, Fantasy Pros, like you know, Stats Pros. You're all sorts of pros over there. <laughs> Very professional. There's one thing about me, I'm so, professional. That's what you can always say. No, I am uh, hosting Leading Off every day at noon. The Welsh and I, uh, sometimes Scott Bogman, Mike Mayer hops on also, but uh, we do a live show for a half hour. It's your half hour look at baseball, DFS, fantasy baseball, wagering. It's awesome. And it's only 30 minutes. We get in, we get out, we do our thing. Um, and of course, all the football shows at betting at uh, at Fantasy Pros. I do the betting pro show that do in this ring. I'm everywhere. It's easier to avoid me probably than it is to, you know, want anything else. So uh, go to Joe Pisa PS17 on Twitter, and that's where you can find me for all that stuff. But it was great to hang out with you boys. I, have, I had a great time this morning. I needed this. <laughs> Uh, you can follow John, but he's already told you everything he knows this morning. He's it's all out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've got the the morning show for Mayo Media Net. It's our first thing in the morning. It's it's really fast, but it's it's all the pillars. I really appreciated Pat kind of giving me the platform to do my thing because I do betting and daily and jock market and fantasy. I just like everything that's money and baseball is my cup of tea. So I cover it at one fifteen off the crack of the bat. You know, it's a solid tone micro machine style, but it's been a lot of fun. We're getting a lot of great feedback and I'm trying to appeal to home leagues as well as deep leagues. And then if you're into betting or daily at all, I mean, I have, I'm putting out every free tool that I've had behind the paywall for the past three years is now free on Twitter. It's on Patreon, but it's free. It's just on Patreon as a host platform. You don't have to pay a single cent. It's all wide open. I'm doing, Oh my gosh, starting pitcher matrix, matrix rankings, implied team totals. I run the algorithm. I pick, do picks. I do a short summary of every game. I mean, it's literally like everything I could possibly do. So get it while it's free. The dinner bell is ringing. Thank you so much. I'm an MLB moving average. The more confusing it is, the more expensive it should be. Remember that, folks. So go in there and look at John's chart. There's a lot of great information. What'd you think? What'd you think, Matt? What'd you think? Oh, I loved it. You know me. I saw, I gave you, I, I, I contributed to the sheet. I yeah. suggested that he changed a couple of colors. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> that was my big contribution. See, I have struggled with color nothing. shades, so like I can't look at any of that stuff. It just makes my head. I, I can't. You know, I'm going to ask you. Can you see the numbers inside of the uh, inside of the the circle with the dots? Oh, uh, yeah. half the time I can't do that. So any any of that stuff is just right over my big bald head. Can't do any of it. <laughs> everyone thank you for sticking through the show hopefully you got a lot out of it first week everyone's excited uh you're you listen to, i know everyone you listen to this entire long show because everyone's obsessed with fantasy baseball this early and it's the way we like it yep. uh everyone's in it you know i mean probably still he's probably still in it um the, john john freaking dms me oh my god all my teams are terrible i'm like why are you looking at the standings for don't look at the standings it's right there me. i mean everything is 15 15 15 15 15 15 i'm like how is this possible i'm not even how is it possible in last place in every single league it's so bad <laughs> okay okay i had something quippy i was gonna say but um it, it, when it, it just it just left me immediately thank Too you for listening jokes. to the podcast Too many jokes. <laughs> Yeah, it must have been a lie or it must have been a terrible, terrible joke. Um, so thank you for listening to Turn 2 Podcast, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. We'll be back next week with a mystery guest because I can't remember who I booked right now. So we're going <laughs> to keep it a mystery. You'll find out till next week when I do. Uh, so uh, for me, Joe and John, uh, enjoy baseball this week, everybody. See you.
My oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out